day I shall come back. Oh dear, we are in trouble, aren't we? I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. I have the advantage of being slightly ahead of you. Sometimes behind you, but normally ahead of you. But the trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. A meteor storm that the sky above us was dancing with lights. Purple, green, brilliant, yellow, yes! I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. It's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Just remember who's standing in your way. Look at the eyebrows. These are attack eyebrows. You can take bottle tops off with these. Hey, you fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're episode 103. Yay! I hope you guys have had a fantastic week. And that you found something to do, Doctor Who related, in your lives. Somewhere, somehow. How have you been, my good man? I've been very well, thanks. I just love when that intro kicks in. I always find myself mouthing along. To, to the quotes yes. <laughs> it's really weird every week um yeah no i've been very good thanks yeah i've had a cracking little weekend up in london uh last weekend um went to the infamous who shop had a really great the time infamous. in there actually yeah had a really good time in there um we spent nearly two hours in there i think all in all <laughs> oh wow cool it didn't feel like it but uh, yeah we come out when we were like um do you know how long we've been in there uh yeah we, we went to the little museum um, that they've got, Very nice. which was good fun. They've got about a billion photographs on the wall, which I, I hadn't noticed last time I went in there, of all the famous people that have been there over the years. So you've got like John Pertwee and Jonathan Turner's shirts on the wall in a frame. And I could have literally just spent an hour looking at that wall. Um, but yeah, it was really good. I, I had a really fun time in there um, with our little group of um, with uh, some of our listeners, uh, the Who Addicts guys. Hello there, and Jay Kent, who often sends in an audio review, he was there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, a few other people, so it was cool. Um, I'll tell you what, I had to, I, I was being quite reserved with the spending though, because obviously I've spent quite a bit <clears throat> with London Film and Comic Con. Yep. Um, and the thing that I was quibbling over was the Robert Harrop Sea Devil. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Because <laughs> you know you've got him. <laughs> and um, I keep looking at him all the time online, thinking, right, payday. I'm going to get him <laughs> and then payday arrives and I have to pay him a credit card bill. And I'm thinking, ah, ne- I'll get him next month. I'll get yeah. him next month. Um, and then I looked on Robert Harrop the other day and I was flicking through, got to the sea devil, sold out. Oh, I was no. like, no, no. Oh, dude. So I was like, oh no. And then I go in the who shop and there he is. <gasps> and I'm like, he's 10 pound more. But obviously, you have, you have to pay postage with Rob Harrop. Yeah. So it kind of probably works out the same. If uh-huh. just couple, it's like, do I get him to again? But I, I couldn't afford him, mate. I couldn't afford him. Oh, so he's, he's there. You know, one day I might go back for him. Um, but yeah. Damn. He's I like whispering at you. Bye, bye, <laughs> bye, bye, me. Save me. <laughs> Save me free. <laughs> so that was cool. But no, I had to leave him. I had to be careful. I just picked up a few. They've got a few exclusive titled comics in the Who shop and they had some signed ones. So I nabbed them. They got some really nice covers. Um, they also had the new Titan range. You know, the ones we think <laughs> look rubbish. Is it the Good Man collection? Yeah. 
can't remember now. The good yeah, the Goodman yeah. Cash. They actually had them in there, so I couldn't resist picking one of those up. Again, it shows how short cash I am. Normally, I'd be like, yeah, let's have <laughs> a few of them. But no, uh, just one little treat, um, which is good. It turned out to be the Doctor in the Stetson, uh, the 11th oh, right, Doctor's. Yeah. Yeah. So I was all right. I was quite pleased with that because there are some terrible figures in that collection. Oh, yeah. Uh, there were a lot that I didn't want. Um, they had the curator. She'd obviously opened it and they had a curator figure in her little cabinet and he was 20 quid. So if I because I did, that's one of the figures I would like, even though it doesn't necessarily look like Tom. Right. Yeah. I was thinking, oh, I'd quite like the curator figure, um, but I'm not going to pay 20 quid. for 20 hope. quid, though. No, no I'm just going to hopefully <laughs> get him. And the only other thing that caught my eye was they also got this new 13th Doctor set. Have you seen this of all the oh, figures? Yeah. Yep. They actually had one of those. They're quite pricey, which isn't it? it was 200 quid. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's 200 quid. It's a nice set. Mm. I mean, I'm prob- I know I'm more into my figures than you are, um, but I, it's a nice set. Um, the only thing is, I, I having looked at it, <laughs> there are some Doctors in there that they've just really not, made the effort with so it's a bit of a mishmash really because the first four doctors i think look fantastic the sixth doctor looks absolutely brilliant and then the rest are all a bit hit and miss so yeah it is pretty expensive um there's no uk release date for this yet right um we're thinking toys r us might get it or something like that so i held out yeah i wasn't gonna wasn't gonna splash out 200 quid on it but um yeah it's quite nice to actually see it in hand yeah so that's okay and while while you're in the infamous who shop Mm. did you overhear or did you witness any (laughs) bollockings for taking pictures because i want i want to make sure that it's not just me that this happens to when i Um, go in there no you'll be very pleased to hear that we hadn't been in there two minutes um when we heard the voice (laughs) Uh, (laughs) there's a sign up there it oh, clearly no. says no fertilizer. Ah, but I was quite pleased because I would have been disappointed if she didn't. Um, yeah. And I will just say, I put a couple of pictures on Twitter of pictures in the Who shop. Um, I just want to say I did ask her. I did ask permission, <laughs> and she said yes. So I, I think, as long as you ask, it's it, not a problem. It's just a control thing, clearly. It's just that yeah. she wants to know. Yeah, which yeah. is fair enough. But uh, no, I, I said to her, "Can I take a picture of the TARDIS?" And she was like, "Yep." Yeah. Um, mind you, I was, we were all spending lots of money, so that might have helped. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, she was fine with it. Cool. Um, it. I was saying to you just before we kicked off, actually, that it, the TARDIS she's got in there, it's got a sign on it saying it's from the Dalek Invasion Earth, Peter Cushion film. And I always think it doesn't c- quite look right. I was thinking that doesn't look like the one from the Invasion Earth, but it could be, you know, it could be. Um, but the more I looked at the photo I took of it, the more I thought it looked more like McGann's movie TARDIS I'm just wondering if when she bought it they said this is the movie TARDIS and she's like oh yeah the Peter Cushing one Uh, and they you know and it's actually not I'm wondering if it's the McGann TARDIS but Hmm. I don't know I need to compare need to compare that uh, sneaky photo and have a have a look at it some closer inspection is needed Definitely, need definitely. to take some, some better photos when she's either not looking or she's giving you permission. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Either well, I was or. a little bit cheeky because I said, can I take a picture of the TARDIS? And she said yes. And I took a picture of the TARDIS and the Dalek next to it. So I t- <laughs> was a little <laughs> bit cheeky. But um, yeah, see, I must admit, that is such a, a haven of, of who oh, stuff, yeah. isn't it? I yeah. mean, uh, I to be honest with you, I was aware that people were starting to wait for me to hurry up. <laughs> so I could I could have easily spent another hour in there, I think. Um, it's easy, easy to do. Yeah. 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 But so I'll have to go back with you. There was, there were a lot of bits where, um, I picked them up and thought, Oh, 
oh, I'd quite like this. And then kept thinking, no, you've got no money. Put it back. You don't need it. So um, I'll have to go back with you, I think, because there are a few bits that I regret not getting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, because I know you. I know you like to go in there. Oh yeah. Um, apart, apart from that, mate, I haven't been up to too much. I had, um, had a little bit of big finish this week. I listened to the first story in the classic Doctor's New Monsters. I keep calling it Old Doctor's New Monsters. <laughs> like this is a bit bit rude. But, OAPs. Uh, OAP Doctors and yeah. New Monsters. Yeah. Um. Uh, this is the first one. Fallen Angel. It's called, isn't it? The Fifth Doctor with Davison. the Angel. Yep. Yeah. Now I don't know. Where, yeah, I don't know where to say too much because I don't know if we're going to review this or not. But um, we might do. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I won't go too mad. All I'll say is um, enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> Try not to say <laughs> enjoyed it. Um, because that's the one I was wondering. I was thinking, how are the Weeping Angels going to work on audio? <laughs> um, have you listened to it? I have. Yes. Yeah. What did you did you enjoy it? Uh, I did. I did enjoy did it. Did you yes. think the Weeping Angels worked on audio? I think because I'm still not sure. Yeah, I mean, out of the four stories, it's the toughest one to pull off because you're relying on description. Yeah, there's a lot you know? of oh, its arms moving from its side. Oh, it's doing this. It's got close. There's a lot of description talk in yeah, it, isn't there? Yeah. Um, which obviously there would be, but yeah, you sort of get that little sting whenever the music sting, don't you? Whenever that's it's right. Yeah. Zing. But um. Yeah, it's I not. Was, the, yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure about it. Yeah, it's not the strongest of the four. Mm. Well, actually, no, I can't comment yet. Um, if not the strongest out of the first two. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's enjoyable, though, isn't it? I mean, I definitely it enjoyable, I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think it was particularly strong, um, but it was in, it's certainly an enjoyable listen. Yeah. 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 So that's been it, really. That's been me. I've been spending a bit of dosh, seen a few locations, listening to a bit of audio. So not, not a bad little week so far. Well, what right. about yourself? All right, mate. Uh, not too much, really. Um, I've also listened to a bit of Big Finish. Um, I've listened to the first two from old doctors, new <laughs> monsters. Um, Should be forever known. Which will be, and I've listened. To, this is the second time I've listened to the first two now, uh, ah. because when I first got it, um, when it, the on release day, obviously downloaded them and shoved them into iTunes, um, and I listened to the first two. So that's the Weeping Angels and the Jadoom. And uh, I think it was Tuesday. I was like, right, I'm gonna. I want to listen to this box set again, you know, start to finish, like all four. So I listened to the first two and then something came up, I had to go and do something. So for the second time running, I've got two episodes or two stories in. Oh, right. So <laughs> next time I'm just going to skip them and go in with the third one, which I think is the Sylvester McCoy one yeah. with the Sycorax. Um, so, but yes, agree with you. The first one, it is quite enjoyable. It, don't get me wrong. It's not going to like set the world on fire like revolutionary you know audio from big finish but it's certainly enjoyable the second one you haven't listened to that yet have you i haven't got to yet no that's colin yeah. isn't it colin and who's he with colin with um, six doctor and um is it, it so you got jadoon sycorax is... angels and centaurans since of course it is yes yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, six is generally good on audio so he's very good and this story is very interesting as well because it's an opportunity to dive in a little bit to the Jadoon and and sort of experience. I don't want to go into too much detail because I don't want to spoil, but it's an opportunity to go into the the character or the species of the, the Jadoon a bit further that we've never obviously had the chance to do in the TV series. 
Right. So that's quite an sort of enlightenment story, that one. Very interesting. Mm. Very, I must admit, the w- very good. Yes. The, the one I'm looking forward to actually is the next one, the Seventh Doctor and Sycorax. I, I've mm. got quite high hopes for that because I think that's a really good pairing. I love the Sycorax. I'm quite surprised they haven't come back. Mm. Um, but maybe it's a good thing because it sort of makes them a bit like the Zygons. You know how like they were for ages they didn't come back and they were such a yeah, great yeah. sort of um, yeah, baddie. But, uh, but yeah, I'm quite quite looking forward to getting into the rest of the set. It's mm-hmm. uh, great. Pro- probably end of this week or next week, yeah. yeah. Finish it up. Yeah. Um, debating whether to pick up the, uh, the last in the Tom Baker series on Big Finish, uh, Casualties of ah, Time. Now yeah. this one's going to make you a bit sad, isn't it, mate? Because the strap line for this one is... <laughs> The Doctor, Romana, and K9, today one of them will die. No. Yep. So, one what? of those three is for the chopping block. I'm oh, pretty certain well, it's, it's not be, the Doctor, got... because he's back next year for the next series. So, it's Romana or K9 is going to... It can't be Romana. ...meet their doom. So, it must be... Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, but he can't <laughs> die. He can just be repaired. You can have K9 Mark 3 or 4 or 5, but uh, as long as he doesn't come out looking like that. (laughs) (laughs) He's out on (laughs) it. John Leeson, contract. Sorry, John, but the uh, contract has ended. Um, Oh, that's a shame. I hadn't read that tagline either. That's the first I've heard of it. Break it to me like that, why don't you? Um, (laughs) No, I didn't know that. Um, It's... um, so it might be a potentially sad one. It's going to take one. me a while to get to it, to be fair, because um, I, I was saying to Ben Lett, who, who was also there this weekend from the host productions, he's mad about Big Finish, and I was saying to him that one of the biggest bugbears I have at the minute is that I've only got the first three series of Tom Baker, and the fact that there's almost two whole series yeah. of Tom Baker audios that I don't own Um it, you know really sort of bugs me sometimes i just lay there at night staring on my shelf thinking i need to get those tom baker audios because i the, you know um but the thing is i can't go on to series five until i've bought series four so i've got quite a bit of catching up to do to be fair yeah uh, I've, I've picked up a couple of the um a couple of them from series five yeah um, and the ones that i've listened to are really good um, well that's the three. series i was excited about because it's tom and lala again yeah Actually, yeah. no, I've got three. I've got the Paradox Planet, which was really good. Um, the Labyrinth of Buddha Castle, which is oh, you liked really, that one, didn't you? Really, yeah. really good. One of the best ones I've heard in a while. Um, and the Pursuit of History. Um, so that the ones, the three that I've listened to out of the set are very good. So I'm just debating whether or not to pick up this last one. Oh, you got not. to. Well, I haven't. Yeah. Re- I haven't got all of them in series five i've only got three so i don't know but i am um sort of interested in which one of these three characters bites the dust mm. be quite interesting so yeah might do yeah yes. uh, but i think you should yeah i was gonna say i i'm looking forward to getting onto that series i was listening to big finish podcast um recently actually it was one featuring tom baker oh yeah um and they were saying how far ahead they've recorded I think they were sort of like saying, I may have misheard this, so don't quote me on it, but something like Series 12 or something like that. They were like, yeah, we've recorded all the way up to, uh, I think, I might be wrong with 12, but it was quite a high, I was thinking, really, they've already got that far ahead? So, we, which is good. It means we can look forward to a, a lot of 
fourth Doctor Adventures in the future. Unless they mm. were saying they've they've planned that far ahead. Actually, it might not be that they've recorded that far ahead. But right. yeah, so yeah. But I think they're wow. As I say, don't quote me on it. I might have my mind might be playing tricks with me. But I do remember being quite shocked how far ahead mm. they have sort of got planned and recorded and all that sort of thing. Yeah, that's good. Mm. Good stuff. Mm. Uh, not much else really. Uh, yeah, the only thing I've done is gone back and reread Torchwood. Torchwood comic. Oh yeah, one, which is which is pretty good actually. Um, other than that, not much. No, other than I must admit I've got listen. a. Oh yes, listen. <laughs> um, I must admit I've got to catch up on the comics. I so nearly this shows how far behind I am with them. When I was in Forbidden Planet on Saturday, um, I saw these covers, these variant covers for the Twelfth Doctor that were. Gorgeous. They were sort of one of them was sort of like a Rolling Stones cover of all these silhouette heads oh, yeah. coming out. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, I don't think I don't think I've got these. I don't think I've got them. <laughs> um so I had them in my hands. And then I started to think, but maybe I have, because I did get a batch and I remember just putting them to the side, didn't really look at them. So I was like, shall I buy them or not? And at the last second I put them back anyway. Of course, when I got home I checked. There they are. I've got them. Had them all the time, and I just thought, "Wow, I really am getting behind with these comics now because <laughs> I'm starting to even not know which ones I've got." So I've got to have a a, a reading catch up. I think. Yeah. The same with the Lethbridge yep. Stewart books. I've now got three or four, no, three books uh, in the collection because <laughs> I bought another one on Saturday. So I've now got three books that um, that I've got to read. So yeah, just need some more time, mate. Shelf decoration. <laughs> that's what it is oh i'm actually really pleased i finally finally um got my shelf looking how i want it you know i'm always rearranging it mm-hmm. and shuffling bits around and trying to fit it all in Me too. Yep. yeah 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 i actually um i actually love the way my shelf looks in it my other half is f- furious it's just it's just like this <laughs> i think it was described as a teenager's bedroom or something like oh, that i was right, like no right. it looks fantastic so i've got my like masonic and my, my confession dial and my, what's the, the neural block and i've got it all laid out and i've got all my books and yeah. all my doctors at the side of the books all the busts and oh i just i love it i love just going up and looking at my shelf now you mess around with that geek stuff again <laughs> yeah exactly i get it all the time i know the thing about getting one of those glass cabinets I want one. I really in. want one. Yeah, I, I've been told that the reason we're, I'm not allowed one is because none of our walls are straight. And if we put one upstairs, it will just lean over, which, to be fair, is kind of true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I still really want one. Yeah, I'll give you. But I think they're a must for any Dot Two fan to have their stuff on display. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Anyways. It's a comfort thing, though, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's yeah. definitely a comfort thing, yeah. Yeah, because I like, like I said, now I've got it all nice. I like, I like to just when I come home, I like to just go up there and look at it for 10 minutes and be like, ah, sink it all in. <laughs> My vast collection sits before me, just That's bask it. in the yeah. glory, just for 10 minutes before dinner. That's it. You got it. Yeah. Mm. Anyways. Anyways, mm. shall we land our TARDIS and do some yeah, news? Yes, let's get some news. First up, hands up, those of you that haven't been to the Doctor Who experience yet in Cardiff. Mm. That many, many of you, that many yeah. of you eh? 
Uh, right. So over the t- over the t- course of us doing this podcast, I think we must have mentioned half a dozen times um, when we get notified of when they add stuff. So mm. the experience. The good thing about the experience is that it's always changing. You don't just go there and it's got you know the same stuff on display that they had maybe six months ago or ten months ago. Um, and every time we say it, we say now's a good opportunity to go to the experience because they've added this or they've done this or whatever. Um, so this one is pretty cool. It is, yeah. So they've now added uh, the fourth stroke, fifth Doctor's console, which has been mm. nicely restored, you know, back to fully work in order. And it's on display for you to go and look at up close in the flesh, as well as all the other consoles as well. It looks beautiful, doesn't it? Absolutely stunning. I love it. It's a beautiful console, this one, because it's got mm. that, um, uh, you know, it's got that that real classic great feel to it. You've got the roundels in the background um, and you've got this kind of, um, it's a fairly basic looking console, this one. It's not sort of littered with, you know, loads of stuff. It's, but, but that's part of, that's one of the good things about it. It's got that sort of nice clean look to it. It's very um, sort of sci-fi, you know, for its time. Um, mm. And it's all working as well. So all the lights are going on. The 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 um, what 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 are the, the the rods called in the middle that go up and down? I've never the rods. You know the glowing rods that go up and down slowly. What the column? The, the column in the column. Yeah, I'm not, there must be an, a technical name for those. There must be a rotor, time rotor. Yeah, something like that. You know that all lights up beautifully. They dim the lights, and you know, it, oh, it just looks awesome. So we're going to say it now for the umpteenth time. If you haven't been to the Doctor Who experience in Cardiff yet, now would be a great time to go, especially as it's the holidays. And, and I believe I could be wrong, but I think they're doing the tar- the the tours again at the moment. If memory serves, um, I saw that in the news a little while sure. ago. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a good friend of ours, um, Mr. Marty Badwilf, um, he was there yesterday, I think. Or yes. Or there today. He- um, so, yes, get yourselves down there. And also they got, there's one thing about seeing photographs and seeing the, the, the TARDIS console on TV and that. But when you actually go and you see them, you know, full on, and the one of the other good ones they've got is the, uh, they've got the Hartnell one there, haven't they? The very mm. first one, which looks awesome. Um, but I'll tell you something, the 10th Doctor's console looks yes. awesome. Yeah. That is, oh, it's so worth it. Because on that one, you can actually go up onto the platform and you can walk around, can't you? And you can go down the ramp yeah. to the, you know, the, the doors and stuff. Oh, I'm talking about it. I really want to go now. You know, now. I'm just going to say, yeah, yeah. I, I want to go back. I mean, they, they've added some great bits recently. But they, they added the um, Destiny Davros, didn't they? That's right. Uh, as well. Um, yep. I think they had Zygon, uh, Tetrap, you know, um, and this console. Yeah, funny enough, funny you mentioned Martin from the Badworth podcast because that was the first I heard of this. He posted a picture on Instagram last night and I literally, no word <laughs> of a lie, my jaw dropped. I was like, oh! They haven't added that console, have they? Because I knew he was in Cardiff, so clearly it had to be the experience, but I still had to clarify with him. I was like, is that in the experience? He's like, yeah. So it's just stunning. I love it. And that's one of my favorite bits, actually, is just wandering around the the consoles. Like you said, just getting so close to them and Mm -hmm. getting your picture with them. And this looks fantastic. They've done a great job with the restoration, haven't they? It looks great, yeah. And this is the first time that it's been on public display since 1983. Wow. Um, I think it was back at Longleat, 83, the last time people got their 
their eyes on it. Yeah, so, I sort um, of associate it more with Tom. I, I, when you said fourth stroke fifth, I kind of forget that Peter Davison had this console for quite some time, actually. Because I always, yep. I always think of Peter as being with the more 80s console. But yeah, this one, um, if you think about it, was around for quite a while because yep. Tom had it for years, didn't he? He did, yes. Tom Bake. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm. So this was used... Um, uh, it was updated a little bit, wasn't it, for the Five Doctors? Um, That's when they introduced the new one, isn't it? The newer one, yeah. Um, but the thing that I like about this console is the the lever that opens the doors mm. has got the biggest red... It's like, the, it's like a huge toffee apple, it looks like. Yeah, um, <laughs> the toffee apple, yeah. Yeah, that always made me laugh for some reason, just, you know, making that lever so you know blatantly huge uh it's funny but yeah no more else to say on this one it's just the case of you have to see it for yourself mm. um and the experience has grown over the past few years that it's been there um they've added loads of stuff over the years and this is just another example of the cool stuff that they stick in there from time to time so yes if especially if you want something to like the adults and parents among our listeners if you want something to do with the kids Cardiff's a great day out as well. There's plenty yeah. to do around there. So, yes, get down there. Get across let's, there. Let's get down there, mate. I think well, we need to go down, don't we? We've spoken we about it. We need to get since, down to them. Ever since we've the very first episode that we spoke about mm. the experience, it must be like episode 30-something, 20-something. Mm. We've always said, haven't we, we have to arrange a meet-up to go down there and it will just be a, such a cracking day. So, yeah, we will do it. We will, will do happen. it soon. Mm. Yes. And that's all we got for news, isn't it? Yeah, not much else uh, out there in the in the news. Better let the Daleks in for a Let's bit of merch. <laughs> bit of merch. <laughs> merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Peter Davison. The governor. The gov. Remember when he announced that he had a book coming out about nine years ago? I just, you know, it's really <laughs> weird. Only um, a few weeks ago, I think we were talking about something, and I meant to say to you, yeah, what happened to that Peter Davison biography? And then I forgot. Um, but, I, yeah, I wondered what happened to this. It kind of disappeared off the radar, didn't it? Yeah. Well, it's back. It is back. I remember we, we said in one of our news roundups ages ago, that Peter Davison's got a book coming out and it will be out soon. Yeah. <laughs> and it had a different title then. It was called The Fifth-ish Doctor. Yeah. When it was What's first it called now? It. It's now called Is There Life Outside the Box? An Actor Despairs. Oh, I prefer the other title. But I there prefer you go. the other title. But there we go. I, hope, I, do, this isn't, I hope this isn't the finished cover as well because it, it looks is. like, yeah. uh, oh, I don't like it. It is it, the finished I, one. No, it's the sort of thing I can imagine picking up in the works. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, Adam's not sold. I'm not sold on the cover. I still oh. want to get it though. I, I pre-ordered it this morning. Int- Did you? Yeah. Oh, right. Yes. Hmm. It's out on the 6th of October. And so that's the new title. Life Is There Life Outside the Box? An Act of Despairs. It looks at the life and career of the fifth Doctor. Um, so his fans have spoken, but despite their requests, Peter Davison has gone ahead and written his autobiography anyway. Hmm. Uh, the artist formerly known as Peter Malcolm Gordon Moffat has starred in a number of television series, including Love for Lydia, A Very Peculiar Practice, At Home with Braithwaite's, and The Last Detective. 
and became a national treasure for having his arm up a cow mm. in his role as Tristan Farman in All Creatures Great and Small. No mention of Doctor Who, but I think it's a given that it's mainly about Doctor Who. Well, I don't know, because I'm thinking back to Tom Baker's biography, where I think he he had about two paragraphs in it about Doctor Who. Oh, true, Who. true, yeah. Yeah, oh. but no, I mean, you would assume he's, it's, yeah, you would assume. I mean, the majority of people who buy this are going to be Doctor Who fans, surely. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably say that it, it's kind of a, a clever play on his role as the Doctor, because the title is their life outside the box. And then the synopsis goes on to say, um, uh, of all the British screen and stage actors of the last 50 years, Peter Davison is certainly one of them. And um, within the pages, intrepid readers will at last have the dubious honour of sharing in his life and times as he despairs over whether there truly ever can be life outside the box. Ah, okay. It does sound interesting. Yeah, I think it's a clever play on, because he's so well known for being the Doctor, you know, do we know anything about Peter Davison outside of Doctor Who? Mm. so i think it could be pretty good i'm a big i'm a, as you know i'm a huge fan of of the fifth doctor and mr yep. davison so i've pre-ordered this i think it'll be good i think it's it comes out in hardback so unfortunately it's one of those hardback prices uh which is mm, oh it's dropped down dropped down already it was 16 pounds something when i looked at the other day but this morning it's 13 13 pounds that's not too bad not too bad Mm. Yeah. I am quite intrigued to read this, I must admit, because um, I've got biographies of the first Doctor, second Doctor, um, Moon Boots and Dinner Suits, the third Doctor book, <laughs> which doesn't re- really go into much about Doctor Who. And, of course, I've got Tom's Baker's Who and Earth is Tom Baker. So it'd be nice to have the fifth Doctor's book as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting when you get it, um, just to hear what your thoughts are. I'll probably end up picking this up uh, as well. Yeah. yeah. Should be good. I must admit, I really like all creatures great and small, despite the description of the arm and the cow. Um, I actually did quite like that series. Which so. he actually did. There was no stunt cows no. involved. He actually did do that. Yeah, quite a bit as well, Which is nice. I have to yeah. say. Yeah. Mm. Uh, one little tiny mention um, before we move on. Talking about um, actors and stuff with books, there is an absolutely cracking book that came out, I think it was last month or a few weeks ago, um, called The Wurzel Book. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> which was, you know, it's all about the, the, the television show of Wurzel Gummidge back in the 80s, which was, paid, which was played very famously by John Pertwee. Now, you and I are huge Wurzel Gummidge fans, aren't we? We are. We didn't know we didn't that we know, were <laughs> until about three weeks ago, well, until, until we got the book, did we? We were both yeah. like, oh, you like Wurzel as well, do you? Yeah, we both love it. It's a great series. Yeah. Um, well, it, it arguably one of the best children's programs from the early 80s. Mm. You know, it's just, uh, we, we, we'll do another podcast about Wurzel at some point. However, yeah. if, you're, if you're a fan of Pertwee and his work, um, and, you know, specifically this program, the Wurzel book from Milk Publishing is one of the best published books that I've seen in a long time. Uh, Stuart Manning, who wrote it and I think designed all the book as well, mm. um, because looking through the beginning, it says designed by the author. So all of the layout and all that stuff, he's done such a – the book itself is really thick. It's a really quite a long read, um, but it's so good and um, – the, the mentions of John Pertwee and, you know, when it talks about him specifically throughout the book, it's so good. So if you're a fan of Pertwee and you like Wurzel, get that book from Milk Publishing. 
just yeah. that in there. Uh, no, I'd echo that, mate, because it, it is a really good book. Yeah, I mean, I ordered it just because I like the show, and I didn't really know what to expect from it. I just thought it was going to be a bit of an episode guide and blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's a brilliant book. Not only is it full of great photos and and all that it's yeah like you said just all the sort of inside information there was a lot of love went into that series i mean you can tell from watching it anyway but Mm -hmm. it's really good to read it along with an episode as well because i've started watching it from the beginning and then reading along (laughs) sort of oh where did they film that then and oh what happened there and you know there's loads of people in it as well like barbara windsor and you know obviously eunice stubbs and all these sort of um well-known actors from the time pop up in it now Mm -hmm. and again say oh who's the and the carry-on lady what's her name she's brilliant um um... here missus Oh, yeah, what's her name? Joan Sims. Joan Sims, yeah. Mrs. Bloomsbury Barton. Oh, it's it's so funny. And it is a kids' programme, but it's also, it shocks me how dark it sometimes is. Have you you got the box set yet? Did you get it? I I haven't got it back from my sister, who I lent it to donkeys years ago. So I'm on the hunt on eBay for it. It's quite scarce. Yeah, I was going to say, because there was one I watched the other day where he gets, um, (laughs) there's this sort of turnip scarecrow and she sort of cackles like a witch and it is like something out of a horror film. And the next thing you know, you see his arms and legs, he gets torn to pieces in the middle of the field. I was thinking, this is horrific for a quick kids program, but in a a good way, it's sort of, um, it's it's just, you've got to watch it, honestly, like you just said, it's such a good series. It is fantastic. If you want want us to do... You want us to set up the Wurzel podcast where we'll do like a watch through and a review and stuff. Let us know, but it's we could talk about this for bloody hours, yeah. mate. Wurzel, yeah. anyway. Do you Wurzel? Do you? Yeah. Right. So, to pick up the Wurzel book, pre-order Peter Davison's "Is There Life Outside the Box," and that's going to do for news. Uh, shh, shh, Adam. Yes. <laughs> What are you going to do this week? Yeah, missus. Oh, no, sorry, I'm still in Wurzel. Um, <laughs> uh, we are doing this week, listen. The thing on the bed, whatever it is, look at it, does it scare you? Yes. Well, that's good. You want to know why that's good? Why? Let me tell you about scared. Your heart is beating so hard. I can feel it through your hands. There's so much blood and oxygen pumping through your brain. It's like rocket fuel. Right now, you could run faster and you could fight harder. You could jump higher than ever in your life. And you are so alert. It's like you can slow down time. What's wrong with scared? Scared is a superpower. It's your superpower. There is danger in this room. And guess what? It's you. Do you feel it? feels it do you think he's scared yeah loser turn your back on him what yeah turn your back on come on you're too clever turn your back now listen the feels yeah yep so uh this was out 2014 a couple of years ago now Mm. Um, part of series eight written by Stephen Moffat mm-hmm. which is blatantly obvious um, yes. directed by Douglas McKinnon mm-hmm. and uh, yeah the usual affair for, for modern Doctor Who 45 minute single ep uh, highly divisive this one it is and mm. you're right there is no sitting on the fence with this one I'm afraid right there's no kind of uh, 
kind of like it, but I kind of don't, and I kind of get it, but I kind of... Mm. There's none of that. You, it, it, I, th- I think you can't be on the fence with one of these. Um, it either fails miserably and doesn't do a good job, or it's like one of the best from Series 8 or Capaldi's. You mm. know, whatever you like. Um, so, as always, I'm going to go to you. What did you think overall? Well, it's just weird that you've just said it's, there's no sitting on the fence because <laughs> I am a bit in the middle with this. Really? Because there's, well, well, I'll tell you for why. Because I, I quite, well, I do enjoy the episode. But if you cut out all the stuff going on with Clara and Danny, <laughs> like that, yeah. that, but all of that kind of ruins it for me. So I actually really like all the suspense and build up and like this, this concept, um, although it feels a bit stretched. Um, so yeah, okay. If I, I won't be on the fence. I'll, I, I definitely like this episode. Cool. Um, right. but, uh, again, on a rewatch when I watched it the other day, first off, I'd forgotten how Clara central it is, mm-hmm. which is one of my biggest annoyances. Um, I just it so get so annoyed with how much Clara is central to the, to Dr. Who, uh, throughout Moffat's era. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you take all that stuff out, I actually quite enjoy this episode. I think there's some good, some good dark stuff going on here. I like the idea, but um, but I have to say it does fall apart about three quarters of the way through for me. It always has, mm-hmm. so that's why I'm saying um, you've kind of thrown me by saying you're not on the fence because I, I kind of am. You are a little bit okay. Yeah. yeah, I enjoy it, but it does it does fall apart about three quarters of the way through, and I and all the Clara and Danny stuff just annoys me. So I'm a little bit torn with it. Uh, it I'll tell you, I'm going to sum it up like this. I enjoy it, but it's a mixed bag. Mixed bag. It's a mixed geek's handbag. <laughs> it's a mixed geek's handbag for me, this one. Right. What about you, sir? It's a disappointment for me. Oh, really? I thought yeah. you might like this one. No. It's, um... Right. It's I'm just, got, I'm very uncomfortable on this fence. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's got two very good scenes. And that's your lot. Right. So, the opening scene is great, with Capaldi mm-hmm. sort of you know, on his own solo, you know, he's obviously got this niggling thing that he's been trying to figure out over the years about, you know, are we alone when we're, are we truly alone when we're alone, you know? Mm -hmm. And I really love how they set the story up where he's going through the motions and he saw the one thing that Stephen Moffat did was quite clever is that he played on the sort of age old things that we associate with, sort of fear and being watched and stuff. So he's like, when you're alone and the sort of hairs stand up on the back of your neck, you know, is that somebody, you know, breathing, you know, and things like the hand, you know, the, the, the monster under the bed is like a classic old tale. It's been around for centuries, you know? Um, yeah. You know, that's so it's really, it's really well, you know, really well written how they throw those things in there that literally, 99% of anyone that watches Doctor Who can relate to those things because they're just very common things that make us scared, either as kids or adults, whatever. So I really like the opening scene, how the Doctor's going through by himself and the chalk disappears and, you know, listens written on one of his blackboards and stuff. That's all really cool. It's really suspenseful. It sets it up. And I once again, I think to myself, even when I watched it, I've seen this like four times now, even when I watched it mm. this week, that opening scene always gets me revved up for the episode because I think it's going to be a belter. It's going to be a scary, yeah. creepy, kids behind the sofa, you know, little bit of wee coming out. It's going to be a real scary one. But 
Clara comes in and it's like, for God's sake. Yeah. You know, why? Oh, bloody I've, hell. I've got to agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because, yeah. And I'd, I'd forgotten that the first scene after the credits is her having that conversation with Danny. And I was just sat there thinking, exactly like you, that beginning really revs you up. Yeah. Credits roll, you're like, whoa. And then it's ding, 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 awkward meal time with Danny. You're like, oh, just, I was going to swear then, just <laughs> go away. Yeah. It <laughs> Not does, interested. Yeah. You can tell yeah. I'm getting quite agitated because yeah. it is. Yeah. So it, I do agree with you. It's very annoying. And then the other scene, which is great, is when they see little Danny in the, uh, the kids' home, the orphanage, whatever it is, you know, yep. and that whole scene where um, there's a little bit of a build-up where he, you had little Danny and Clara having a little chat, and then she's trying to sort of say to him, "Look, you know, this is just things in your head. You know, nothing's under the bed. They're under the bed, and then the bed springs sort of, you know, they, you can tell that something's on the bed, and that's when it's like, wow, this is getting scary again." Mm. Um, and then you find out that the doctor's been sitting there the whole time in the corner reading and stuff. Um, and then we have some good humor in this, I think. Really good. I just got yeah. To, yeah, I think it's some nice dark humor in this. Yeah. yeah. And then that clip that we played just then, where the doctor's, you know, telling the kid that fear is like almost a superpower because you know it does this stuff. And then once they've done that bit, we don't really get a reveal. It looks like kind of like a little alien, doesn't it? When the the red sheet falls off. You get a, yeah, I freeze framed it. I don't know if you did. Yeah, uh, I've just done, wanted yeah. to see what it what it was, and you catch a glimpse of like a almost like a skull. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Yeah, mm. something. And then he sort of scuttles off. The door shuts, and then that's it. That's the second scene for me, which is great, and it's finished. And then it's just all about Clara again. Yeah. Um. And then the doctor's, you know, he's. And then it moves on to this thing about time travel, and we see Orson Pink you know, in the future and that's where it loses it for me. By that point, the story has just fallen at the wayside because all the good stuff that they set up at the beginning has just gone. And it's just a huge disappointment for me. It's, it, it's so frustrating because it's one of those stories where it could have gone down as a classic, you know, it yeah. could have been a real good one where everyone talks about it. Like new newbies to Dr. Who ask you, you know, are there any scary Doctor Who episodes? Are there ones that, you know, a little bit creepy? We could have said, listen, but you mm. only get five, ten minutes of it. You know, it's so frustrating. Yeah. And then it's very Clara-centric, as you said. Um, yeah. And I think that riles a lot of people. Because it's once it, again, it it's does. Moffat, it's Moffat, you know, putting the emphasis on the companion and Clara, which is okay to do from time to time. You know, we get that. We get that the companion is arguably just as important in some circumstances as the Doctor. It should always be about the Doctor, but there are some cases where you do need to sort of look into the lives of the companion a little bit so that you can engage with them and start caring for them. Where storylines put them in danger, you can be like, oh no, not, you know. So, but he does it way too much. It's like, yeah. come on, we get it. We get it that you like Clara, that you like her character. You want us to all invest in her character emotionally and all that stuff, but come on. Even a nice, cool little standalone episode like this, he still has to throw in, you know, that Clara is responsible for the universe, essentially. 
Yeah, it she's responsible because it comes full circle. She's even responsible for the whole reason the doctor's thinking this, isn't she? Yeah. She grabs his leg as a kid and brings it full circle. I do agree with you. I have to say, I do agree with you. Um, it, it does feel to me like Stephen Moffat come up with a really good idea, and like you said, it starts off great, and then it's almost like he doesn't know where to go with it. Yeah. Um. So yeah. he just kind of brings in all this other stuff, like the whole thing with Awesome Pink. As soon as as soon as Awesome Pink walks into that restaurant. I kind of am done. Um, I'm like you. Yeah, I really, yeah. really enjoy the sort of beginning of this story. Um, but yeah, it, it totally loses its way, um, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been great, though, because yeah, I think the direction's quite good mm-hmm. in terms of what the director's given to work with. I think the actual direction of it is, is a really nice looking episode. And the bits that are suspenseful work really, really well. Um, right, even towards the end when it's, you know, the story is completely lagging. Um, the bit with the airlock, you know, that builds it up again. And, you know, the, I think the direction's good. Who who was the director? So someone I've not heard of, actually. Doug, Douglas, Douglas McKinnon. McKinnon. McKinnon, yeah. Yeah, yeah done a good job. But, yeah, good. It looks but nice. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah, I agree with you. Is We could have had an absolutely classic on our hands here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, and it sounds like you're the same for me. Yeah, just totally ruined with all the Clara nonsense and, and all that stuff going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, actually, story-wise, it's very basic. It's you know, it's easy mm. to get your head around. It's essentially the doctor's, you know, trying to because he the way that he puts it is that everybody at some point in their lives always has the same dream, and that is there's something under the bed or mm. you know there's you know something's frightening you or whatever. Um, so he wants to sort of put this to bed because he's had the same dream, which we find out is caused by Clara. So in actual fact, he. He wasn't dreaming about somebody under the bed and somebody grabbing your foot. That actually happened to him because Clara did it. Yeah. Um, but from then on, it's sort of, you know, as you know, history's evolved over time and time and time, it's just a story that's, you know, been in people's heads. So he wants to try and figure out why this has happened. Um, it's funny because I remember thinking that was quite clever the very first time I watched hmm. this. I was like, oh, it was Clara all along. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I see what he's done there. And yet, yeah, yesterday just watched it. I was like, oh, for good Clara. Of course, it was it had to be Clara, didn't it? Maybe because, um, well, I don't know. Maybe because of all the timeline stuff that went on with Clara, with the Eleventh Doctor as well. I think that's what it gets to me. It's just like, does she have to be the reason for everything? Mm-hmm. It, it takes it takes it takes stuff away from her character of everything by having all this baggage, you know. Yeah. I hold on to it if you see what I mean. So that's that. I think that's another reason it kind of annoys me now. Yeah, yeah. the good old days of of Nicola Bryant just moaning, just moaning around and not doing <laughs> Do your much. Your Tegan impression, or Tegan, even like trying to get trying to get back to Heathrow Airport. You're <laughs> <laughs> broken, Tardis. You know why? Why can't we have you know just an episode of Clara just running up? running around screaming at mm. monsters chasing her and being tied up for a bit the doc- doctor rescues her and away we go why couldn't we have that situation with clara with capaldi there's um ugh. anyway yeah there are some cool bits though yeah well, oh, there's quite a lot i enjoy in this actually like you said the direction was great and it looked fantastic mm. the scene where the doctor's up on top of the tardis um in space yeah sort of meditate you look very good and then when he's under the sea and you know that all looked really nice that was good it's a nice intro actually yeah hmm. yeah and i'd forgotten about all that i was thinking this is working really well this, yeah. is, this is good yeah and, and the, the opening scene actually um 
they've got the lighting and everything just so on point in that TARDIS set because um, mm. it looks really nice. It's got that sort of, it's dimmed out a lot, isn't it? It's not a bright set. It's sort of yeah. dimmed out, but, you know, it all looks lovely. The lighting's great and the camera work. It, it all looks really good. Um, and then throughout the episode, it looks really nice, like the manor house, the huge mansion thing where the orphanage is or the kids' home. That looks really great. And there's a nice little funny scene with the caretaker. And the That's a nice scene. Yeah, Nick's yeah. coffee. And then we also have <laughs> some funny moments where the doctor sort of insults Clara. You know, he's like, why have you taken your makeup off? And she's like, I've still got my makeup on. <laughs> why do you need three mirrors? Yeah. I love that bit. It's like, why do you need three mirrors? Why can't you just turn your head? I think that's, that, those sort of scenes save it for me. I think they're really, really good. They are quite funny. And there's a bit later yeah. on where Tard, um, Tardis, where Clara sees uh, Orson Pink and she's like staring at him and he's like, why have we got huge eyes? Get them under control, you know. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, her face is too wide and stuff like that. So the banter between, you know, those two is very funny mm. at times. And that provides a little bit of relief, you know, when when we have the Clara. I mean, the, the scenes with Clara, for me, they just make me sort of hunch back in my chair. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, come on. So it does provide like a little bit of relief in those bits. Yeah, um, that that early scene in the restaurant with her and Danny is the not. It's not just the acting; it's that the dialogue is so unnatural. I always find, like you said, after that brilliant build-up, we sort of get this really awkward conversation between the two of them, which just don't know. Just, people just don't talk to each other like that. No, it, they don't. It just feels no. really forced to make them have a disagreement. Yeah. Um, I'm quite surprised actually because. That you know, the Moffat has written a lot of relationship um, stories over his years. I'm not just talking about Doctor Who. I'm thinking of like shows like Coupling and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, writing a, a, a scene between two people in a restaurant talking and falling out sh- should come quite naturally to him. Yeah, um, and yeah. I find that that first scene between the two of them just dreadful. It, actually, it, it's a bit like um, he'd phoned up George Lucas and said, "You know, those really good." scenes that you wrote for the prequel trilogy between Anakin and Padme. Mm-hmm. I'd like some of that, please. <laughs> He's like, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, no problem. Yeah. I can, I can, <laughs> I can show you like how to do wooden, you know, you know it is so wooden, empty yeah. dialogue that no one actually talks like in the real world. Yeah. yeah. I can show you how to do that. Um, yeah. and I think what he should have done is called Russell T Davis. Cause he was very good at that. You can't oh, argue yes. that some of the scenes back from the RTD era where you have, you know, two people in a cafe talking or just a couple somewhere talking, he was very good at that. Well, compare it to Rose and Mickey talking in the very first episode, which is a very natural dialogue of her getting cross. Uh, you know, I think this is something both of us can relate to in real life. She's like, oh, sorry, was I talking about me for a minute? Because you seem to have totally zoned out. And, you know, that that is something us guys do, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you know what I mean, there is, there is an example right there of something that we can relate to. Whereas this conversation between Danny and Clara at this restaurant, I just started thinking, this is so forced. Like, no one speaks in this no. like this. It's just, yeah, it's it, annoying. It's bizarre, yeah. Very bizarre. Um, very bizarre. Very bizarre. Um, and then some other good things. Um, the the way that they hid the the thing, the monster or the alien, mm. I thought was very good. By not showing it, made it a bit more creepier to me. You know, just yes, by having the red sheet sort of rise up. Um, mm. 
I, I thought that was quite scary for a moment. I liked it because the the thing with this episode is it's um it gives there's a gives you a lot of questions and very little answers, um but that's one of the ones I like. I, yeah. I don't want an answer for that. I think that's really good because it makes you think. Because the whole thing is that the doctor's bored, isn't he? He's going on this quest to find out if there's something always following you around that you never knew was there, and it's just because he's bored. <laughs> um, yeah. And I like, but I like that. I don't think that should be answered. But there are other things in this episode which I think should be answered, like Orson Pink, for example. What's that all about? What What is going on like, with Orson? I get the, I get these, um, who's the young Rupert Pink, isn't it? Rupert, now, I get yeah. that. I get that. That works quite well. But what's going on with the Orson Pink? I mean, the, the whole scene of him walking into the restaurant in his spacesuit. I mean, why would he do that anyway? Why is he in the pink uh, sorry, why is he in the orange spacesuit for a start? What's I just I don't know what's going on with Orson Pink. Yeah, I, I don't get that. Don't I, get that at all. Yeah, I think the idea behind it is because Clara had been in contact with Danny, and then she puts her hands into the TARDIS console, so she's got a telepathic mm. link. I think they've just gone in either way, haven't they? So they go back in time first, and they say little Danny as Rupert. Yeah, and then when the Doctor's dropped. When she's gone, the doctor's then gone, right, you know, I'm going to investigate further. So he just uses that telepathic link that's still there in the TARDIS and goes the other way. So he goes fast forwarded into Danny's future, which happens to be his great, great granddad or great granddad. Yeah. Something but like why can't Dan, why can't Clara just say to him? Because the doctor keeps saying, so you, there's no connection. Why, there's no connection between you two. And she's like, nope, nope. Why? Why can't she just say, "Yeah, I'm dating a guy called Danny Pink"? I don't. I, is there something in the series eight that? Because I kept thinking all the way through, why don't she just tell him she's dating someone? What's the big thing here? Yeah, it's a bit. Is that explained in a different episode? So I can't remember now. It is a little bit because it's we, not the soldier thing. Tell me, it's not that because that that's again really shoehorned in. If it is, yeah, I know. I think in a future episode, I think um, I think Clara does spill the beans, doesn't she, about traveling with the doctor mm. to Danny. Um, but I think up to that point, she's just very reluctant to tell him the truth about being a companion. Basically she's a bit reluctant to say anything to him. So he's a bit, you know, he obviously knows through the, uh, the extremely wooden dialogue that mm-hmm. she's hiding something from him and she's not telling him the whole truth, but you know, she doesn't actually tell him for another couple of episodes yet. Oh no, but I mean, but sorry. Yeah. But to be clear, it's the thing I'm talking about is what the doctor keeps asking Clara, like what her connection is to all these Danny Pink and Awesome Pink and Rupert Pink, and she doesn't tell him. She's like, no, right, I right. don't know what. The, and I'm thinking, why, why, why is that? Oh, like, right, yeah. Could have solved, a, you know, could have saved a lot of time. Yeah. She just said, oh yeah, it's because I'm dating Danny Pink. He'd have been like, ah, oh, right. So that's why it's taken us back there. I couldn't work out why she was trying to keep it from the doctor. Yeah, well, um, I, I, but it might tie in with something later in the series. I'm not sure. I don't know because I thought that when the doctor arrives back to pick her up, and when he has the joke about you, you haven't taken, oh, you've taken your makeup off already, because he does mm. say to her like, you know, is your date over already and stuff like that. So he knows that she's out on a date and you know she's seeing someone. So you'd yeah. have thought that being you know the clever guy that he is, he would have put two and two together. Mm. Um, but it is weird that she does she just doesn't turn around and say yeah that wee lad is Danny that I was on a date with just now so yeah. we've obviously gone back in his timeline and not mine 
you know, that would have cleared everything up, you know. But then we wouldn't have had the awesome bit at the end, I suppose. Yeah. I'm not sure. And then, yeah, just the bit where she's staring at awesome pink and, you know, she doesn't say anything and the doctor's trying to figure it out. And, you know, that that whole last, that last chunk of the episode, you know, I, I'm completely sort of in the dark, you know, as to what's going on there because... They've gone to right at the end of the universe, haven't they? So basically time. Once again, yeah. yeah. So the universe or time or both, whatever it is, is about to end, isn't it? It's like right at the end of history or mm. the future history. Um, and Orson Pink got there via way of time travel. And the doctors yes. arrived there in his TARDIS because he thinks that he's going to be the last person at the end of time. I think that's it. Yeah. And he's a little bit put out, isn't he? That he gets there and this guy's there instead. Mm. So, and then we have the thing with there's something outside. The airlock, yeah. Do not the open. Airlock, and it's banging on the thing. It's a bit like daylight, isn't it? Do you remember? Not daylight, midnight. Midnight. Midnight, yeah. sorry. The tenant episode, midnight. It's a bit like that, isn't it? Where there's something outside that's banging three times. Mm. Um, but I don't understand. Is is the thing outside the same monster that's under the red blanket? The well, thing I think that's, that's what we're supposed the, to assume. Yeah, uh, that, that's what yeah. I thought. Is it th- that same thing that's always meant to be traveling with you, or yeah. with you when you're, you know, is it that? If that's the case, why is it outside? Yeah, um, I have no answer to that. Because yeah. the whole thing with the doctor trying to figure this thing out—that when you're alone. And you hear, and you, then the hairs on the back of your neck sort of prickle up because something's breathing on your neck. You sort of get the feeling that he's saying to you that there's something, you know, literally beside you the whole time. It's like a shadow. Almost like a shadow. Yeah. Yeah. So why would this thing be outside the ship, outside the airlock and stuff? You know, it's a very good point, actually. Yeah. It lost its way a little bit. That whole, that as soon as we saw it, like you said, as soon as we saw Orson, Orson Pink come in in the spacesuit in the restaurant, from that point on, it's just an irrelevant, it's just a little sort of, you know, let's make Clara's character seem ever more important than what it actually is. Mm. You know, Because after that, we go to the barn, don't we? So we, we <laughs> then go to Gallifrey after that. I mean, again, it feels like, this is what I said earlier, it feels like the Moff had this great idea and then he sort of got halfway through and thought, oh, what do I do with it? You know, oh, I, I, yeah, that's it. We go to the right to end of the universe again. Um, oh, still got another tw- 20 pages to write. Um, I've got it. This is going to throw them. This is going to throw fandom into a, you know, into a haze. We're going to go to Gallifrey, to the <laughs> barn, um, you know, and we're going to see the doctor as a kid and all that. I mean, it's quite a brave move in a way, isn't it? But it also mm-hmm. just feels, it does feel to me like he's just trying to fill time because although it brings the story full circle, there's there's no sort of relevance really. Um, well, there is, I suppose, because it brings the story full circle. But you know what I mean? It's like, why are we suddenly on Gallifrey? You know, and then we get a shot of the War Doctor as well. So mm-hmm. that's then tying in to the 50th. Yeah. It just almost feels like he's throwing everything, including the kitchen sink in at the end. Yeah, and it's, it's not needed. It's not needed. Do you at like all. the scene with the doctor no, in the barn? No, you don't. The reason why is because, like I said earlier, this could have been one of those independent little 
isolated stories which could have just begun and finished. Mm. And, but the Moffat never does that anymore. He, does he? he just can't do it. He has to can't link it, it no. to a bigger story or link it mm. to another episode or bring another, you know. And yeah. that is, don't get me wrong, that is great when that happens and it's done well. But the Moff just seems to do it when there's no need to do it. We didn't have to have the, you know, the Doctor as a kid in that barn because it doesn't make any sense. It's like he sleeps in the barn because really we find out, you know, the old, you know, ultimately this episode is about the doctor being afraid of the dark. Yeah. So the doctor sleeps out in the barn which is in the dark still. The only bit of light <laughs> he's got is I'm assuming it's the moonlight coming through the window. But he's mm. under the he's under the blanket in the dark. Yeah. And so, that, I mean that, and that there has been speculation that it could be the master no, that's in that bed, but it's no. the doctor. I always see it as the doctor. No, well, the doc. Well, Clara does say, you know, one day you'll come back to this barn, and then we cut to true. the war doctor. Yeah. So it's obviously him. It's meant to be the it's doctor. Be yeah, the, yeah. I mean, there's a very tiny outside chance that. I mean, no, ma- you're right. It's got to be the doctor. Yeah. Maybe one day Moffat will write a story where we go back to that scene where Clara's under the bed, and you know, whichever doctor takes over from Capaldi will also dive under the bed and they'll have a conversation. <laughs> you know, I and it'll, see, I can see him doing it. That's you know, thing. Yeah. yeah. So, well, actually, no, it wouldn't be him, would it? Hopefully, fingers crossed, old Chibbers won't dive into that territory. But, oh, I hope not. Um, but yes, the whole scene with the end with the Doctor and Clara and it's meant to be the... I can appreciate it for what it is and I can imagine at the mm. time when... I mean, I can remember when this went out and... Uh, there was a big sort of frenzy, wasn't there, in fandom? Big because who-ha. the War Doctor yeah. was back in it, you know, and we go back to Gallifrey and all this stuff. But mm. you know, it's I just I cannot get into it because it's and it's just not needed. It doesn't aid the story. All it does is aid Clara. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't do anything to make this potentially great, scary, creepy story anything better. All it does is just give Clara a bit more of a a bit more of her own importance, which she already had. Hmm. So, more backstory that she doesn't need, yeah. So, yes. It's one, I do, I'll tell you one... <laughs> it's one of those stories, isn't it, where it's very difficult to pull yourself out of any negative, and I'm really trying hard to try and see any good bits, but the overall premise just... Yeah, it just does my head in. I, I gotta say, yeah. I mean, it, I, I definitely enjoy it more than you. That's that's clear. Because there are there are bits I like. So to to sort of put it on a more positive spin, then um, I like the I like the soldier, the soldier with his you know missing his gun, uh, which is sort of a, a nice little reference to the doctor being a soldier without a gun. But that doesn't so make sense. Like that. that doesn't make sense Why? because Clara took it from Danny's room, little Danny's room. I thought she left it at the end of his bed, guarding him. No, she left it for the doctor. Oh, I see. She left, oh, it, yeah. she left it in the barn. Yeah, she for did. For the doctor. So how did it get... So obviously that's happening on Gallifrey <laughs> thousands of years before little Danny's born. So how did that little toy soldier get from the barn in Gallifrey to Danny Pink's bedroom? To, to, um, re- uh, to Rupert to the- Pink's. Rupert ben. Uh, maybe the doctor put it there when he was sat in the corner reading the book. 
if you want to if you want to <laughs> go with that I'm clutching at straws then, here mate yeah. but go with it go yeah. with it um, <laughs> no yeah I know what you mean well I think that this is the problem when Moffat tries to be too timey-wimey is if you start if you start pulling at the threads they come apart very easily yes. um, and yeah it's great visually what, it's a great image mm, isn't it well I like the idea of it because that's always been the thing isn't it the doctor is this sort of anti-hero doesn't need a gun so I quite liked that I yeah. thought yeah it's a good it's a good metaphor soldier guns broken doesn't need a gun so I liked that mm-hmm. um, and I like the yep. idea of Clara using that to to make the child feel safe at night you know she's like I'm leaving this little army in front of your bed they're going to protect you so that was a lovely scene so that's again one yeah. of the good bits of Clara um, I like that in, yeah. yeah nice nice idea yeah um and i like the humor in it as i said i think the humor is good in this story so those are the positives and i like the darkness you know but but yeah but i can see where you're coming from you can yeah yeah cool um right there was a couple of um uh let's talk about actually have we got any trivia or any cool little things that we can maybe bring in to make this a, a better episode or whatever um uh, trivia yeah i mean well there's there's a bit isn't it where the, the doctor says um uh centaurans perverting the course of human history mm-hmm. he, he says that line to orson doesn't he when he yeah. wakes the tardis up um and that's the very first words that the doctor says in robot tom baker oh right okay i hadn't even realized that actually. which is quite cool um yeah <laughs> isn't there a first doctor line in it as well and I, I only know that because I read it on Wiki when before we started. I didn't see the full dot thing, but um, I think there's a few little nuggets in there for the Uber fan. Uh, I must admit I didn't pick up on them. Um, yeah. I just remembered reading it. Uh, oh yeah, so he says. Oh, it's actually the line. I quite like this as well. We actually the the main sort of line for the episode of fear makes companions of us all. Um, that's an, a line originally spoken by the first Doctor in the third episode of Unearthly Child, apparently, which I'll be honest, I didn't pick up on. I it's didn't just that I read it, read, right. no, I read it on Wiki this morning. Um, so there's a couple of nice little fan bit baits in there, I suppose. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you know where to look, yeah. Yeah, and one thing that made this episode quite, <clears throat> excuse me, um, uh, not famous, um, but there was a bit of hoo-ha around it, was this was one of the episodes involved in the famous leak Oh yeah. Do you, do you remember? I think it was about the six, scripts. Yeah, six or seven weeks um before uh the series was due to start. Mm. Um there was um the scripts went out online. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten about all that. Yeah, yeah. do you remember? So and there was this whole thing, wasn't there, about, you know, if you've if you've got if you've gone to that place <laughs> where you've downloaded scripts, you know, please keep it a secret you know please don't spoil it for anyone else that wants to you know because i didn't download the scripts i don't know about you no. i didn't no i, I didn't know i didn't want to look but um i could have though i can remember a lot of people i knew uh, had got them or knew where to get them they were very easy to find very um, oh yeah but yeah. i didn't yeah no, i know i'm i do like the odd spoiler but i wasn't yeah i wasn't bothered about reading the scripts because i didn't want to ruin it yeah well, yeah we, there was somebody that messaged or send us um, sent us a tweet, wasn't there at the time? Uh, mm. The Big Blue Box uh, Twitter account said, "I've got them. Do you want them?" 
Yeah. It's like, no, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, I think that was more because people were so intrigued what the new Doctor was going to be like. I think that's why, the, you know, I remember that's, that's, that was the only temptation I had. I was like, oh, scripts. I wonder how the Doctor's written. Um, <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, this is one of them, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Anyways, let's talk about some characters. Yeah, not many in this, actually, is there really? Hardly any. Um, no, it's a very small cast. Yeah, so let's talk about, um, uh, very quickly, the, the caretaker. Is that Reg? Reg, yeah. I was uh, just about to say to you, who's Reg? Of course, yeah. it's the caretaker guy or, or whatever. Not the caretaker, the, the guy in the kid's home, isn't it? Yeah, very funny mm. little scene between him and the doctor. Lovely little scene, yeah. yeah. So we get the psychic paper out and he's like, oh, an inspection. And apparently he's up late. I think it's like half one or 2 a.m. Yeah. Two in the morning. Um, and that's a nice little scene as well because it's a little trick, isn't it? Because the, we get the first little scare, if you like, because his TV turns off by itself. Mm. Um, and then we look down and the doctor's, you know, gone, but his coffee's gone as well. His cup of coffee. So you think, oh, you know, mysterious things going on. But then we realise that the doctor's just taken it and yeah. he's having a sip of coffee but a funny little scene there that guy was quite good yeah I thought he was good I, like, I do like that scene a lot actually yeah, um, yeah. let's talk about little uh, little Danny Rupert, Rupert a ben. good little actor actually I quite like we've him. seen yeah. some we've seen some dodgy kid acting <laughs> in Capaldi's era um, but what? this guy this little guy what's his name Remy Gooding Remy yeah Remy Gooding yep. yeah he gives a really solid little performance actually yeah yeah, it yeah, was good. He was good. I believed he was scared, and he he wasn't doing what a lot of kids do, which tends to go into that sort of slightly over the top theatre mm-hmm. acting. Um, he's actually, yeah. yeah, I think he gives a good little performance. Yeah, that was one of the things actually that I did like about um, his performance was you do genuinely feel for the little guy. Yeah, you know, he does come across as as being quite scared, which is good. Um, and you're right, if we look at what did we? Re- what's the last Capaldi one that we we reviewed? Was it Capaldi or Matt Smith? Where those two annoying kids at the end have got oh. Lara's laptop open and they're like, "Oh, it is you." <laughs> Don't get me started on that scene. You know, uh, we've what seen- was that? It was there Crimson Horror, isn't it? Where the two kids give That's me- right. We know who you are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. don't. Crikey! And then we've yeah. got the twins from the Twin Dilemma. <laughs> you know, so we've seen some. We've seen some pretty shoddy acting and. God, kids I'd roles. About them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so this guy, Remus. Yes. Remus. Yeah. Uh, so these guys were pretty cool. These guys. This guy, Remy. This guy. Yeah. Remy's wee, good. Wee lad. He was good. Um, yeah. What about Danny? Stroke. Awesome. Speaks so deep, doesn't Samuel. he? Because he's like so cool. Um, he's all right. He's hit and <laughs> miss for me. I can't warm towards him. Yeah, I don't know about Danny. Um, yeah, I can't really think of him much to say apart from he's all right yeah he's hit and miss i would i'd have to say there are some a few episodes where i think yeah he's he's okay but then there's an episodes like this one where he's just a bit of a wet blanket you know and, and he's, he's wooden as anything in the in, in this. this one in the restaurant scene especially it's like oh again that's one of there are certain times with many scenes in doctor who where you feel like the director's gone asleep <laughs> so the cameras have rolled, they've done the scene, and then someone's nudged a director, he's like, oh, oh, oh. right, great, ne- on to the next one. You know, it just yeah. feels like sometimes they just need a bit of a smack around the face. And it's like, look, guys, I'm not being funny, but 
you know, can we just try and do this a bit different? Because at the moment it looks wooden as hell. And I don't really want to put this out like this. So can we just try something different here? There you go. You know, now let's go. <laughs> let's go again. So it just feels very flat and wooden. And well, you know, yeah. when he's awesome, did you not? He seems to me like he really doesn't seem to know what he's meant to be doing. I don't know if he's. I don't know if that's the sort of character that he decided to go with. But he does seem to just be standing around, looking wide-eyed, like what's happening now? No, he's... you're awesome, pink now. <laughs> <laughs> Samuel, you're awesome, Pink. Just stand there. You're in a space suit. Don't question it. Just, just stand there. Give Clara the soldier in a in a case because he does. Does he? He just looks really like lost, and I don't really know what's going on. Sort yeah. of thing. He's a bit yeah, gormless. I don't know. Yeah, gormless. That's the word. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, well, you can't blame him because he probably read the script, and exactly <laughs> like we're doing now, he's probably thinking. Well, what the bloody hell is this all about? <laughs> yeah. What am I supposed to do with this? I don't even know why I'm here. Why this character? I'll just go with it, I suppose. Just go with it. Yeah. yeah. So he was, yeah. Not it's okay. He's not bad. Yeah. He's, he's just a bit, yeah, he's a bit flat yeah. in this one. Uh, let's talk about Clara. Right. Let's move away from why, you know, let's move away just for a second on the, the story. Let's okay. just talk purely about Jenna Coleman. And her performance in this one mm. as a as a performance, I think there were a couple of scenes which were really nice, really really nice. Like the scene where she's talking to little Danny, especially yeah. you know, and yeah. she's trying to convince him. This is before you know the 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 reveal of the the thing under the blanket. There's that really nice scene where she's trying to you know say to him that you know there's nothing to be afraid of and all this stuff that was really nice and then the bit that, that you mentioned where she's putting the little toy soldiers out yeah so quite heartwarming stuff really quite nice and then i know it i know we've just completely bashed it but the scene where she's in the barn at gallifrey that's quite a nice touching moment where she's just brushing the doctor's hair and she's talking to him you know story mm -hmm. aside and why she's there you know aside for a moment it is a nice little scene where she's talking to him while he's upset, clearly. Yeah. Um, so that's, they, they were quite nice. The rest of the time, I just found her to be typical, you know, Clara. You know, what's going on here? You're not talking about me. So what's going on? Let's change that up. Mm. You know, ah, you're talking about me again. Right, we're on track. <laughs> so that's what she I She does found. have a tendency yeah. to come across as a very sort of, yeah, spoiled brat at times. And uh, to, for, for me, Jenna Coleman's performance, I think she's good when she's with Capaldi, but I don't think she's very good when she's with um, Danny. I think uh, that's the thing. That's the way I'd sum it up. I think the scenes with uh, Danny, the restaurant scenes and all the end stuff, I think it's, it's very wooden. I think she comes across as annoying. But then in the other scenes when she's with Capaldi and the kid, and, and like you said, in the barn, I think she's she's good. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a very... See, this is the thing, isn't it, with with Clara? <laughs> she's so inconsistent. She's so inconsistent. Because when she's good, she's good. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think I'd just echo what you said, really. It's just the, the scenes that she's good in, she's good. The scenes in with Danny and that, she's not so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she comes across as quite irritating. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and finally, the Doctor, Mr. Capaldi. Now, isn't this a strange one for the Doctor? He's He's... He's strange in this. Um, and I think I personally really like Capaldi's performance in this. 
Um, I think he's given some really odd stuff to say and do. Um, yeah. But I like it. And we've talked recently about how different the Doctor is in Series 8 to, to Series 9. I think this is a great example of how very different... Mm -hmm. to, well, personally, and tell me if you agree, but he feels very different to me in this story than he does in... I keep thinking, like, say, for example, The Witch is Familiar. It feels like yes. a different yeah. Doctor um, to me. Uh, again, a bit more assured bit more cocky a bit more confident this doctor you know like and also a bit more cheeky mm -hmm. like when he's nicking the tea and he's like but he's very he's very much in control he's he's like turn your back now do you know what i mean he's not there's no messing yeah with this doctor and i'm really starting to think i prefer series eight doctor the more i the more i go back and rewatch them i like this more assured confident doctor yeah and there was a couple of times when he really yells at clara to get back in the tardis get back in that yeah, yeah yeah he puts his foot down and there's no like you say there's no messing um and i'm glad you've mentioned actually because for one i prefer the look of this doctor oh, definitely I, yeah. I prefer i mean there's something quite cool actually about the longer hair like the zany yeah, like the longer hair the zany looking hair and stuff but i don't know i there's just something about the look in these like early episodes that i prefer i prefer the shorter hair um and what he's wearing as well, it just seems a bit more subtle. It seems like a bit more fitting, you know, especially when you have episodes like this where I don't know if it's the way he's written or the way he's, he's just going about his performance or a combination of the two, but he's very, you know, very funny and assured and confident, you know, which is a nice contrast to the simple look he's got going on. Mm. You know, in some of the later episodes, especially in Series 9 where he's got... um the, the holy jumper, the jacket, the hoodie, the glasses, everything going on. It just seems a tad too much for me. Um, the guitar, yeah. So I prefer his sort of slightly simpler look that he has going on in this one. I think he handles the human better mm. in Series A as well. Yeah. It's much more cutting and suits his doctor better. You know what I was saying about in Series 9, he gets these very quick um, sar sarcastic remarks that he throws out every now and again that just... I don't know. He seems to handle the, the, the humor better in series eight. It seems yeah, more suited yeah. to him. Whereas I felt they, I feel like they've tried to water him down. Actually. I, I think what they've tried to do is they've tried to soften his doctor to make him more, to appeal more to people. But I think what they've ended up doing is they've, they've actually watered him down a bit and taken away that, that sort of strong, strong sort of character that he's got in series eight. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think, I mean, performance wise, great. Yeah, you I like know, I liked really liked him in this. Yeah. Really good. You know, you can tell that because um, it it does follow on from another comic. Because before this, it was Robot of Sherwood, and that had quite a lot of humour in it. Yeah, strange, isn't it? Because that feels like such a different. These are two totally different oh, yeah. stories, aren't they? That yeah. was so light-hearted, and yeah, yeah. Mm. So you can tell that in this sort of era, maybe it was this block of filming. You know, it was they obviously had you know quite a funny you know, humorous thing going on, um, which I quite like. So performance-wise, really good, really like him as the Doctor in this this sort of the vibe that he's got going on, especially yeah. in this. Um, and then it's followed up by what's next, um, which wasn't as funny. It was time Heist. Time Heist, that was it, yeah. Um, which was, that was okay. Um, but again, the the doctor seems very assured in that one and more confident. So you're absolutely right. So as we get through series eight and then 
you know, completely as we're in series nine, he's wrote quite differently, you know, and the, the, the humor's not as cutting, like you say, it's just like these little funny quips that are, that he has to rely on Clara a lot to deliver them. Mm. Um, yeah. And I don't know if it's just more, I don't know if it's like you said, down to the close or whatever, but he seems more bumbling and sort of hunched over in series nine like this. He's really, I think like you said, maybe it's the close. He feels smart. He's sort of back straight walking down the corridor. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the other, when series nine, he's very much sort of running around hands together. Do you know what I mean? It's like, Oh no, where's that? Where's that strong doctor gone? Yeah. Not this. Yeah. Don't turn into this bumbling idiot. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just starting to, yeah, I'm starting to really warm towards series eight Capaldi mm-hmm. more. Yes. Yeah. So Capaldi, great. Um, good performance. Good yeah. performance. Yes. Anything else you want to mention? Not really. I think Murray's music is quite nice in this. It's very subtle. It's yeah. not too overbearing. I think it does add a lot of tension to scenes when it needs to. So, yeah, I haven't really got any more to say on it, really. The music yeah, was lovely, actually. Much... Yeah, the music good. was really yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's do scores then. Right. Who's turning is it first? I think it's you this week. Is it? Yeah. Okay, it might surprise you. Um, I am going uh, for a 7 out of 10. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I do. I still like the episode. I still enjoy enjoy watching it, despite all the bits that we've pointed out. Um, I still find it quite an intriguing story. So yeah, I like it. Just uh, it could have been so much better. Seven yeah. out of ten. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give this a four point five. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give that a four. It's not the lowest score that we've done. No. For no, because I think there's a lot worse. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, yes, I think that once again, and I seem to say this a lot when we get to episodes where we've scored them below maybe six. Um, it's just another example of what could have been. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It yeah. could have been an absolute classic. This It just, yeah, it doesn't hit the mark, unfortunately. Yes. So yeah. there we go. 4.5 for me, 7 for you. Uh, what mm. did our lovely listeners think? Uh, mm. We've got some audio clips in. Let's kick off with one of those first. This is Joe Sweeney. Hello again, Adam. Hope you guys are well. I know it's been a while since I last did an aud- audio review, but I have been away on holiday for two weeks, so I've just recently just got back. So my thoughts on Listen. I think it's um, quite a good, decent story written by Stephen Moffat. Um, it is a it it is quite dark and um, and a bit of a horror fest episode, and um, and the episode kicked off nicely with the Doctor sitting on sitting on top of the TARDIS, and then with him asking himself lots of questions like Are we really alone? Um, it's got some good the episode's got some good humour and um, dialogue and concept, and um, the pacing of it was quite good but i did found it did slow down in, in between places with clara and danny's date um peter and jenna's performance was top notch and um the episode did left with unanswered questions like who was underneath the bed sheets and also um who was knocking outside the spaceship and also may i say very quickly that was a good throwback from the episode um midnight and also was clara talking to the doctor or the master on gallifrey our overall good episode, but I did found it did slow down 
a little bit. So I give a score of um, a 7.5 out of 10. Hope you enjoy the podcast, guys. Speak to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Joe. Cheers, Joe. And no problem at all for you being on holiday. No. If you could get them recorded beforehand next time, that'd be good. But <laughs> What's a holiday, Gary? What, when are we having a holiday? What is a holiday? Yeah. What's a break? Eh? <laughs> what will we do? Record from Barbados. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's keep the audio train going. Now let's do Owen Daly. Hi, guys. Hope you're both well and have had a great week and are enjoying recording the show this week. So we're on to listen, the 12th Doctor story. Now, when I first watched this, I didn't really enjoy it. I thought it was a bit boring. I think I was just in a bad mood watching that story, to be honest. But I rewatched it recently at the start of summer. But I have to just say, I never realised how creepy Peter Capaldi was in it. Not creepy like a dark doctor, but actually, like, weird. Because that part when he's waiting in Clara's bedroom, I think that's pretty weird. The way he goes into Rupert Pink's bedroom is pretty weird. And he just does a lot of weird things in this episode that make him look kind of perverted, which is, it's not something I like to see in The Doctor, but I just see him like that in this episode, and I just can't get that image out of my head. It's just a bit creepy, I think, Peter Capaldi. I don't know what direction they were taking him in this story, but I just think he's a bit weird. That aside, though, Listen on a Second Watch is a fantastic story. Stephen Moffat is great at these small episodes. It's better when he writes a small episode like Listen, where the whole universe is an ending. It's just a small small singled out story I think he works best at these like like Empty Child and Doctor Dances so I just really I like this story but it's not one I'd rush back to watch and it's just one I don't think I really enjoy but I do enjoy when watching it so I give Listen a 7 out of 10 thanks for listening and see you next week thank you Aaron excellent yeah I think summed up there a bit weird it is a bit weird isn't it now you, now you mention it a bit yeah. weird for Aaron yeah mm. right let's jump over to Facebook uh, Dean Jones says a mixed bag for me the direction is strong the use of sound is excellent some great lines and Capaldi gives a cracking performance uh, one of the worst Clara portrayals come acro- coming across uh, as not very nice especially towards Danny Pink not the worst or the best uh, I'm stuck between a 5 or a 6 out of 10 ah ok interesting yep you're on the fence there Dean <laughs> yeah so you said we couldn't be on the fence yep yeah, uh, there is uh, there is something that confuses me actually, which I, Dean's just reminded me, and I forgot to say. You know, like she storms out of the restaurant, and then she, the doctor drops her back so that she can carry on the date. Mm-hmm. So she sees herself walking away. So how does that? So if she was sort of thinking, oh, "I'm going to save the date and make it good," would that then make the first Clara? Her memories changed to the date. How does that work? Having two Claras in one place, I don't, don't like. Do you know what I mean, so she's gone there thinking, right, "I'm going to do the date again. I'm going to save it." Obviously, it doesn't go that way. But if it had, would she have then left for the doctor and the memories in the first Clara have changed to? Oh, the date went well. How does that work? Oh yeah, because the first Clara that walked away <laughs> would she vanish? She would have gone home, and the doctor would have picked her up, gone and done the thing, and then dropped her off. If you see what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, in terms of... Yeah, anyway. It's too timey-wimey. It's a little bit odd, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit Terminator Genesis. It's a bit... Mm. Just don't. Just don't. (laughs) Danny Brown says, although the story is kind of complicated, someone else agrees, Mm. uh, it's still a highlight in Series 8. The cast are on top form, and it's one of the best episodes in Modern Who. 8.5 out of 10. Mmm, high school. Cheers, Danny. Uh, audio clip. This is from Who Addicts Reviews, Matt Rowney. 
Ah. Hey there, Garen Adam. I hope you two are well. Now, listen is such an interesting story because I know so many people that love it. I know so many people that hate it. And I love it. I mean, it's so different. It's such a strange story. Um, and it's nice to see Stephen Moffat write something that's just a one-part episode that's not story-arc-driven, where he can take his own ideas and, and go to work on them. That's that's where he's at his best, and he wasn't far off in this. And um, I loved how the Doctor was exploring a, a theory that he's always had, um, all the way from his childhood and the way that he explored that. Um, it helped develop the character of Danny Pink, um, and it helped develop Clara's character throughout Series 8 as well, when we went back to seeing... Um, young Danny Pink and then Orson in the future, which is a little bit of a plot hole in itself. But that was very interesting to see as well. Um, and I also loved how we never really knew if the creature or villain was real or not, if it was in the Doctor's mind, if it was just a theory, if it really was true. I mean, in that scene where they're in the children's home and that thing's under the red covers, and it takes the red cover off, and you can just see in the background a very pixelated, horrible-looking figure that's deformed. It's quite creepy in a way. Um, so I do like how it went unsolved, um, and what I do like as well is the very ending when Clara delivers that beautiful speech about the Doctor and the barn, and the cameo from the War Doctor makes me just go giddy every time. So, listen to a story that I just can't help but like, I think it's got a great rewatchability about it, and it's a story I could just go and watch right now. So, you know, I'd probably give it a strong 8 out of 10. Take care, guys. Some good ah, points cheers, man. Yeah, mm. um, I thought he was going to say he hated it when he said some people love it and some people, <laughs> but uh, he did. He liked it. Yeah, um, let's do. We've got two more audios. Let's do uh, this one again. Uh, it's Alex Kingdom. Gary, Adam, listen to my review <laughs> of Listen. Uh, now with Listen, I don't really know about this one because I like it, but then I don't like it. I mean, there are many things that are good about it, and then there's a lot that is bad. Like, I don't like the whole uh, thing about the Doctor being scared and the thing under the bed. Because it was Clara all along. Oh, what a great reveal. I mean, what? Why? I mean, was that literally just put in there so Clara could say a smart line at the end? Like, oh. I think it was just a boy I was afraid, or something along those lines. No, that's not good. You don't want that in the story, because it ruined all the intrigue. And it was just like, every time we go back and watch it, I was just like, oh, it's Clara. It's not an interesting character. It's Clara Oswald. Freaking Clara Oswald gets everything to do with the Doctor once again. And I mean, the whole thing, like, the monster's creative, but awesome pink storyline is awful. And uh, also... Why is one of the biggest things Danny and Clara getting together? It's just... No. They, they could have used it in a different episode. I think the caretaker would have been good. Which did centre around Clara and Danny. But I don't think we needed both of these episodes to do that. So I'm going to give uh, this one a 4 out of 10. Not one for me. I just don't really like it. Oh dear. Oh dearie me. The, the rant button nearly got used there, I think. I was reaching for it. Yeah. I yeah. loved the intro, by the way, Alex. <laughs> it sounded a little bit like a sea... Uh, no, not a sea devil. Um, an ice warrior. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Good stuff, mate. Back over to Facebook. Sammy Satine. So, the Doctor wants to find out if there's such a thing as perfect hiding. Because there's a dream about something under your bed. And a hand grabs your foot. Is there such a thing as perfect hiding? It's an excellent question. And yes, this episode does try to answer it. I found it funny when the Doctor said... He thought he'd hide in Clara's bedroom in case she brought her date home. <laughs> also, if it wasn't for the following, I would rate this um, one higher. Clara and Danny. 
yeah. never really believed these two were a couple. So later on when he dies, I basically feel nothing. Uh, but <laughs> by far my biggest issue, and not just with the episode, but Clara's time as a companion as a whole, is her overpowered status. It's one of the reasons that I hate her as a character. Uh, it's perfectly fine for her to comfort a little boy who is scared, but quite another for her to once again make the Doctor redundant. When the Moth does this, he forgets that all characters have agency. And if you create a Mary Sue, that then takes the agency, you basically destroy the character, which means he's basically ruined the show. <laughs> and we're watching the funeral procession. Wow. Uh, wow. I love Peter Capaldi in this one, but I honestly wish I had uh, a Control Z for the ending and for Clara's entire return. In Cl uh, sorry, Clara's entire run. Sorry, Jenna, not you. It's the moth. I hate being so down on the show, but honestly, this is actually how I felt since I watched Series 7B. Mm. Uh, a part of me somehow wishes the show had ended with David Tennant. Not anything <gasps> against Matt or Peter, uh, because they are brilliant, but because how the moth has turned out like Clara, overpowered, inconsistent, and toxic. Overall, <laughs> four out of ten toxic i like love that um some very good points there sammy i have to say i've not uh, did, heard, yeah just don't don't take my laughing as mocking because i do agree with you. it's just i i just love the word of use of the word toxic there um yeah some very good points there i've not mm. i've not seen or read anything from sammy as riled up as that one no that's pretty riled up isn't it yep um mm. she's probably stomping around like tegan right now <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Broken clocks. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis Palmer says, when I first watched this, I said to myself, this is going to be awesome. When the pre-title sequence ended, the rest of the episode happened and it's absolutely atrocious. Mm -hmm. uh, the moth seems to think he's being clever by leaving things unanswered, but there's a difference between being ambiguous and annoying the audience. The scene with the bedsheet thing was great and showed what a great story this could have been if Moffat had just written a simple, proper, scary thrill ride rather than meeting um, descendants of awful characters and not letting the audience know about things. And don't even get me started on Clara meeting Minnie Hartnell. <laughs> Minnie Hartnell. <laughs> Minnie Hartnell, yeah. <laughs> uh, just a complete uh, spit in the face to what came before, all rounded off with a forced, pretentious fear quote at the end. Yet another reason for me to hate her character. I just want to throw this one into a black hole. One out of ten. Wow. Wow, wow, And he wow. does say it's nice to let off a bit of steam every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Finn Walsh. Welcome back, Finn. Says, hello, guys. It's been a while since I've done one of these. Just been so busy. Haven't had the time, but let's jump into it. Uh, this is a creepy, eerie story, directed and acted well. Wouldn't say it's amazing, but I fairly... Uh, but I get chills watching it, so I give it eight out of ten. Oh, okay, that's good. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> he says, plus I didn't get to review Blink, but I absolutely hate that story. Wow. It's not scary or good whatsoever and makes uh, Terror of the Vervoid to look like a masterpiece. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> hate all of it. Zero out of ten. God, zero, this is a really... Zero. My God. Oh, this is a really getting stuff off their chest this week. This is a catalyst for people to go yeah. nuts. Yeah, I love it. Miles McKenzie says, to me, this is a nice little story. Oh, we've calmed down a bit now. Oh, right. Uh, I loved how we never know if there, was an, if there was actually something underneath the bed or not. Clara, however, feels overpowered with that barn scene. Uh, Capaldi was at his best in this story. It's not scary, but it's very spooky. Nine out of ten. Okay, yeah, that's good. Jeff Waddle. 
Jeff. Jeff, welcome back. Easily one of the best episodes of Series 8. But Ooh. goodness knows what's going on with the whole descendant of what's-his-name. I genuinely can't remember. Uh, Clara's boyfriend. <laughs> the end of the universe must be a hell of a busy place. That's yeah. how many stories have went there now. <laughs> on first yeah. watch, I'd, I'd have said 9 out of 10. But too many answered things, so 7 out of 10. Capaldi, yeah. Capaldi great as always, though. Cheers, Jeff. Um, before we do the last couple on Facebook, let's do our last audio clip. This is Jay Kent. Hello, Gary and Adam. Hope you're all good. Now, many consider Listen one of 12's best, but I think it's a terrible mess. It's telling so many stories at once. Are we focusing on the invisible monsters or Danny and Clara's relationship? What one is the story revolving around? I feel like it would work a lot better as a story arc with the Doctor finding out what the invisible monsters are with one episode maybe dedicated to young Danny in the orphanage, one to Orson who literally has no point now, Danny's dead Moffats, and the finale finding out what they are. Cramming it all into one episode is just messy. On the monsters, I feel like Moffat was trying to do what Midnight did but failed. Not seeing the monster is scary. Seeing it hiding under a blanket isn't. If it's evolved to be perfect at hiding, it would come up with a better solution than that. And the conclusion doesn't only not make sense, does Gallifrey still have a time lock? And how stupid is Clara by not telling the Doctor where Gallifrey is when he's trying to find it? But it also overpowers Clara yet again. Not only does she save him every single time and give him his TARDIS, but now she also was the one to inspire him to travel in the first place. If it was another companion, fine, but Clara has too much influence on the show's history now. Listen is a good opportunity ruined by messy writing and no thought to continuity 4 out of 10 but still hope you have a good podcast guys it's always a joy to listen to <laughs> <laughs> that was a very evil little laugh at the end nice one Jay do you know what even Jay's a little bit not as jovial yourself he's this one's got no, to him as well it has and do you know what Jay makes a very good point about the Gallifrey because oh, I was thinking that the doctor's trying to find it how selfish of Clara not to say, oh, by the way, I found it for you. Um, and it does drive me mad how, uh, see, I think they've, they've got me riled up now, <laughs> but it does drive me mad how like so many things come back to Clara's character. Like, you know, she gives the doctor the TARDIS, she sets one as well. Yeah, it does, when you start to list them like Jay just did, yeah. it is really yeah. annoying, actually. Yeah, because yeah. she, um, she put her, she, you know, when she puts her hands into the, the console, you know, and that's where the TARDIS goes to. Mm. So he's absolutely right. When the Doctor's trying to find Gallifrey, it's there. It's you there. Know, the TARDIS has got that information stored because yeah. they, they actually went there. You know? Ah, oh, the moth. If only, I tell you, if only the TARDIS still had that electric shock switch that that Hartner oh, had in yeah. Unearthly Child. Remember when he gives Ian a quick Ian, yeah. blast? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if Clara just got a zzz, quick yeah. blast? little zap, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. last couple on Facebook. Um, <laughs> Theta Sigma. Oh, Welcome Sigma back, podcast. Theta. Um, really good podcast, by the way. Um, for me, Peter Capaldi is the only thing holding this one together. Uh, it's a needlessly complex story that appears dark for darkness sake, but kudos for Doctor Who once again, daring to go where it's not been... Uh, before though it could have been uh, better presented um, at best a five out of ten from me oh okay thank you theta sigma and lastly mm. george coppin says uh, love it very spooky i personally think uh, one of the spookiest episodes ever uh, when me and my mate watched it when it aired um, the tv remote pressed a button by itself 
Ooh. And we got a bit scared. But anyway, it's a great story. 8.5 out of 10. 8.5. Okay. Good uh, stuff. Do you have any over on the Geek's Handbag? Uh, yeah, I just have one uh, very short and sweet, but uh, kind of sums it up really from Matthew Blank says, absolutely love the beginning of this episode, but was disappointed by the conclusion, which I kind of agree with a lot, Matthew. Yeah. So there we go. I was going to reach for the rant button a couple of times there. Mm. Um, Didn't realize this one riled people up so much, actually. Yeah, it's very divisive. Mm. Um, so thank you so much, guys, for sending in your clips uh, and commenting on Facebook and Twitter and so on. Um, we love it when you do that. Um, so next week we have next week we have a bit of a belter coming your way. We do, don't we? yeah, we do, yeah, um, yeah. So bit of Tom Baker. Of, yes. I can't get deep enough for Tom. Yes. Yeah, a bit of Baker next week. What is it, buddy? It is the talons of Wang Chiang ah. next week. Yes. Yes. One of rats, the uh, giant rats in sewers. <laughs> one of the first Baker episodes I ever watched. Is it? Jacob and Lightfoot as well. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, right. So uh, I think you'll agree with me, mate. I'm really looking forward to what you guys think to that one. Mm, definitely. Because yep. it's often viewed as one of the best. It's in like a little grouping of Baker episodes. Mm. which are viewed as one of the, you know, a group of the best, apparently. It is, yeah. You yeah. Know, like Genesis of the Daleks, Pyramids of Mars, Talons, Seeds of Doom. Yeah. You know, those. there's like a group that often get rated very highly. Mm. So we shall see if our scores reflect that. Yeah. So look out for the post on Facebook and so on. Send us your comments and reviews, or you can um, email us or send in an audio clip, whatever you like. It's all good. Yeah, I look forward to hearing people's views on this one. Yes. Yeah, whether indeed. they think it's brilliant or overrated, whatever. Yeah, can't wait to hear about it. Cool. And we're going to do there for 103. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us and listening to uh, this week's episode. Adam and I just bopping along there to the theme. Yeah. We will do a Facebook Live thing just at the <laughs> yeah. end, I think, just us bopping along, which is scary <laughs> that, and funny at the same that'd time. That would be quite good. We should do that, actually, yeah. I thought about <laughs> that. I'm kind of getting into that whole Facebook Live thing. Yeah, we'll do that. Yes. Right, yo. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode, which was 102, where we looked at Sil <laughs> from <laughs> uh, the Six Doctor story, Vengeance and Varus. Um, yeah. Next week, like we said, it's Talons, Talons of Wang Chang. Send us your reviews, thoughts, and all that stuff. And we will read them all out on the show. Yeah, and I'm loving, we're getting quite a few audio clips in as well. I'm loving all that, so keep them coming. Keep them coming, yes. Mm. Hello to the website, bigblueboxpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show there. You can uh, link off to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, follow us, like us, all that stuff. Um, and you can also subscribe to the show via iTunes and some other bits and pieces. And if you are an iTunes listener, if you wouldn't mind um, giving us a, a review and a rating, that would be superb because that really helps us a lot in iTunes. Remember to check out Adam's channel, The Geek's Handbag, over yeah. on YouTube. Did you watch the? And um, 
you watch the old convention London Film Comic Con video, mate? The old con video? I did. Is Very good. Oh, you did? All right. Were you thinking all the way through? When, when am I coming in it? <laughs> <laughs> it was a... I, to be honest with you, mate, I was enjoying the vid. I didn't really... Wasn't really bothered about that. I'm in it very oh. briefly at the end. I think you're talking about me at the end. Yeah, that's right. Um, you're doing the old whatever you guys are doing in the bar in the there. Pub, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so no, it was good. Cracking video. So remember to check out Adam's stuff. Just do a search on YouTube and Facebook. Give him a subscribe and a like and all that jazz. Yeah. Some great and also, stuff when you're checking out, um, I noticed you said um, blueboxpodcast.com and it's co.uk. Oh, so. it's either. It's, you can do either. Oh, can you? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, hmm. I think you might start using .com because Big Blue Box Podcast is quite long, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, you could put either in, yeah. Yeah, so .com.co.uk, whichever you fancy. So, until next time, my name's Gary. And my name's Adam. And remember... Stay